business used to be a lot easier. You know, you used to be able to plant your flag somewhere, say you led deals and the growth would find you. And I, I don't feel like that's the case anymore. I need to be less of a salesperson and more of an analyst and look at market trends and come up with like conviction around market thesis and like stuff that I'm really not smart enough to do, but you know, like I, I need to push myself. This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, featuring the founders, funders, and contributors, and most importantly, the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital, and on today's show, we're headed for the first time to the Grand Canyon State. Last year, in 2022, Arizona saw over 140 companies raise upwards of $1.1 billion putting Arizona on the national venture map as a strong emerging venture ecosystem. Here to tell us all about the Arizona venture scene is my friend David Paul, who is the CEO and founding member of DWP Capital. Welcome, David. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I got to say, uh, you know, for, the, for our listeners who can't see us today, I mean, we, uh, we, we, we're twinsies. We look exactly alike. We're both wearing puffy jackets, which the is, same exact jacket, not just puffy exact. jackets. Yeah, same exact jacket, blue t-shirt, and gray pants. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How, how did this happen? We're just we're, uh, we're just two tech finance we're, bros. We're brothers from another mother, I guess. Yeah. I it's know. really just it's disgusting, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> What's the only thing more disgusting though is perhaps the funny. Uh, do you mind if I tell the story of how I yeah, I, I met you? Okay. So, so David and I, so I was at Venture Madness in Arizona a few months ago, or no, it was like over, it's like eight months ago, maybe. Um, and I'm at the cocktail hour, the happy hour, the, the first night and uh, the networking event, if you will. And somebody tells me, I'm like, who do I need to meet while I'm in town? It's my first trip here, checking out the ecosystem. And, and I think it was actually a founder, probably one of your founders says, you got to meet this guy, Chris Paul. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't, I filed it away. You know, I go home and I'm like, Chris Paul, Venture Capital, Arizona. And what do you think popped? Phoenix Suns. Yeah, Chris Paul, mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. I did everything I could. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Chris Paul invests. VC, wow. Oh, it, like how can I, if he invests, he must know some of my, VC friends or like maybe I can network to him. Maybe I'll see him at the conference tomorrow. I probably spent way too much time trying to navigate that. And I'm like, yeah, forget it. I can't. Was Chris Paul on LinkedIn? Uh, he wasn't on LinkedIn, but <laughs> I, I was, I thought maybe he would be <laughs> if he's a VC yeah. or an investor. Whatever. Right. Anyway. Wow. Next day you're on a panel and they introduce yeah. David Paul. It's David Paul. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's a great uh, story. Fun. I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm glad Chris Paul led me to David Paul, and, and since then we've become we've become friends. Uh, tell me about you, like who who you are, where you came from. I mean, just give give us a little bit about your background. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, moved out to Arizona back in 2015. Before that, I was in South Florida, which is the sunniest place with the shadiest people. And, uh, you know, I was trying to be an operator. Um, you know, I you started a company that, there too, right? I started a company there. Yeah. yeah it was, te- it was terrible. Um, not, 
you know, it got anybody, acquired. What do you mean it was terrible? It, it got acquired. I didn't set the world on fire. Definitely, I should not be managing people at any type of scale. Um, you know, that enduring empathy is just not in my bloodstream. However, that being said, it led me into venture capital where I moved to Arizona, uh, worked at an early stage fund here called Tall Wave Capital. It's since then imploded. It was kind of a startup studio and um, they had this venture fund on the side and, you know, it I just didn't work out. And, Tall Wave um, was, and that was, that was based in, was it Phoenix or Scottsdale? It was, where? Yeah, it was in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Scottsdale. Okay. Yep. And then from there, I got recruited by Canal Partners, which was a um, kind of a multifamily office that it invested bigger checks, but, you know, we're more early stage growth equity, um, you know, got on boards, kind of, you know, was you know, played a little tighter, right, I guess, than traditional venture. And uh, I worked with them for about four or five years, did a lot of portfolio governance stuff, did a couple new deals. And, uh, you know, about two years ago, I broke away and started my own firm. Good for you. What was, uh, what's that like? Like, like, what's the feeling like when you, first of all, get the inclination to do it? I'm not suggesting that I, I, I'm wondering, I'm questioning, uh, my firm because I love my firm. I know that I don't want this to come off wrong. I don't want this to come (laughs) off wrong, but like, what is it? What is that feeling for like an emerging VC that wants to go out and do their own thing? Like, how did you feel and what gave you the confidence to jump? So, you know, essentially I looked at my partners, one of them retired, right. And, you know, basically wanted to be a limited and he funds me right now, which is fantastic that I have his support. Uh, he's one of my anchor investors and, uh, the other one started another firm and he wanted me to come with him and to start another firm. And I, and I sat back and, you know, I made a decision, um, despite, you know, I learned a lot from my old partner and Todd Belfer, you know, he's now started Brookstone and he was a a great mentor to me, but Mm -hmm. you know, I basically saw that show, right. I was in that show and you know, there wasn't anything that like I needed. Right. Mm -hmm. And that might sound bad, right. You know, but like, honestly, I felt like I could source I could, um, I can get the deals done. I can interact with founders and what, you know, and if I was to partner with him, he's, you know, mid fifties and I'm, you know, pushing 40, I was always going to be the junior guy, you know, in, in that. And I wanted to create my own destiny. And so Mm -hmm. I decided that I wanted to break away. Now what I wasn't expecting, right. Was, um, I I took a little break by the way, too save my marriage, but, um, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I took a break and I, uh, I went and, you know, I came back and the deal flow went to zero. Uh, Mm. I quickly became irrelevant. Mm. Um, the marketplace completely changed by the way. I was going to say what, what, what happened? Like what changed that, that the deal flow went to zero? I I just think that like, once you're out of play, you know, like Mm. people just forget about you. And then when you try to start Mm -hmm. up something yourself, they don't take you seriously. So saved your marriage, ruined your career. Okay. Next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah next? It's been, yeah, it's been an uphill battle, you know, definitely trying to get that, you know, deal flow going. I finally, after two years feel like it's happening. 
Um, and also, it, it didn't help that like a gazillion investors came into the market in 2020, mm. 2021. So that didn't help my cause. But what I think was the core differentiator that really made it difficult, which I was not anticipating, was making the investment decision at the mm. end of the day. Because I raise money on a deal-by-deal basis, so I have to have a lot of convic- conviction over each deal. And at the, my old firm, like the lightning rods were on my partners if things didn't go well, right? You know, they uh, raised the capital. And, you know, for me, you know, I really have to think hard. And I didn't expect the agita that I feel when making mm-hmm. the investment decision. Interesting. So, yeah, so so you that was unexpected. That was an unexpected sort of pressure that you you started to feel. How did you uh, how did you overcome that or how did you navigate that with like the first first few deals? I mean, I assume you're. No, it still hurts. Right. It's it still, still hurts. Yeah. yeah, no, it's still very difficult. Um, you know, I you know, I I think on this SPV structure, you have to think about risk um, and downside mm-hmm. much more than a traditional fund where you're optimizing for upside. Um, but you know, I think it's really, it, you really just have to see a lot to understand, um, that like picking matters, you know, especially in early stage, people say, oh, you just index early stage. I think that's completely a fallacy. I think there's no way to index early stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what does that index actually look like at scale? Like probably not the best performing asset around. Yeah. Um, what, what about, um, from a. From a on doing using this sort of SPV structure, super fascinating. I've I've heard of a lot of kind of new managers uh, adopting this, and it, it implies different fee structures, different you know all the carry structures. It's 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 really it's really cool to see this evolving more and more. But on it, so I, I do want to talk about that. But before that, like I, I just want to understand uh, what how does it work? Like what's the mechanism? Is and is there risk that like you get a great deal, but then Nobody wants in on the SPV because whatever, for whatever reason, liquidity or whatnot, like how, how does this, can you take us through this, the structure and how it works? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it helps. I mean, I was really lucky in the fact that my last firm had done a ton of these SPV deals, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we were making a new investment, I often was the guy who was pitching the LPs. The LPs were brought in by the senior partners, but I was the one that was actually updating them, explaining the value proposition and getting super intricate because, you know, I mean, candidly, the junior guys do all the work always, right? You know, that's not a, that's not a secret. Um, you know, and the senior guys, they bring in flow and they bring in money and there's, that's very valuable too. But when it comes to the intricacies sure. of what the company does and how they do it, generally you need somebody that's really in the weeds. And so I've built relationships with all of these individuals. Um, mm. and, uh, you know, I, I write a big check myself, you know, I have an anchor that, you know, sees or, you know, doubles my stack into these deals. So that shows a lot of conviction towards people that are, you know, writing 50 to a hundred thousand dollar checks and we can close out 2 million pretty quickly. Um, I'm in the process of fundraising right now for a a deal. We just locked up under LOI. Hooray. And (laughs) thank you. And you know, it's, I I do wonder that I was like, I haven't raised money in 14 months. So like, what is the, Mm. what is the, what's the environment going to be, but I'm going to raise it. I, I, I feel confident. Awesome. So, so, and then I, I just realized we've been, we've been spitting out some alphabet soup that maybe some of our listeners don't understand. So SPV is a special purpose vehicle. It basically operates as an independent vehicle that you use to make direct investments, equity investments in companies. And then 
LOI, there's a letter of intent. So is that is that how it works? Like you issue an LOI and then it's contingent upon your ability to fund is then contingent upon you raising? Is that? Yeah. I mean, that founder, I don't even, I've never had to like, I tell them I'm an independent sponsor. I tell them all mm -hmm. of that, but you know, the process of me fundraising for the the deal, right? Mm -hmm. They don't ever see that. And that right. always happens really quickly. And I've got access to lines of credit and other stuff if I have to I like see. if I have to fill it up and then sell it after I close. Um yep. I never want that to be an issue. So like I yep. you know I I've never had a founder ask me, but like you know I can escrow stuff, you know, to make them comfortable and, yep. and doing that. Yep. Cool. Cool cool cool. And specifically the strategy, can you talk a little bit about DWP, kind of your, your thesis and your strategy? Yeah, so we want to be um, a capital provider to companies that, um, you know, we, we kind of look and smell a lot like a venture capitalist um, in the fact that we take minority positions, you know, mm -hmm. we really want the founders to, you know, lead the charge, we're not operators. Um, but the only difference is, is we don't have the risk tolerance to have, you know, like a, a ton of zeros, right? Because, you know, we believe that, you know, we want all of them to work and we want all of the founders to have a nice exit, right? So we forego upside in the, in the form of mitigating downside. So we kind of mm -hmm. have like this, you know, companies that usually want to raise two to $3 million and they've got signs of product market fit and, you know, we, our value proposition is, is we want to be their capital partner until they're able to receive a point of liquidity. So, you know, if that means like spoon feeding them a million, $2 million over time, you know, and mm -hmm. we just keep raising the valuation up, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, you know, as a, as a, as a gesture, we get usually a discount for that because they don't have to spend 90 days going out fundraising and they don't have to bring in a new character that they don't know. And mm -hmm. they don't have a new watermark. They need to jump in as long as we get our 40% internal rate of return, which what we talk about is what we're looking for, for mm -hmm. deals. So that's three to five X and three to five years. Um, we're satisfied and we won't, you know, be standing in the way of, of, of receiving any liquidity. Yeah. That's a great instrument and, and, and great for founders. You know, it's, I, we, I had a, a founder, uh, expressed me recently that he thought that in order to be a successful founder at fundraising, about 80% of his time needed to be spent on fundraising. Like, wow, that doesn't leave much left for, for running the business. But with some of these more flexible structures where you can take that, you know, those 90 day, uh, you know, fundraise process uh, out of the routine of every 12, 12 to 18 months like that can, you know, and it's amazing. There really is. I mean, there's, there's different kinds of personas with founders and, you know, there's ones that are great at fundraising and there's ones yep. that are good and they're marketable and they can get funded. And there's ones that like fucking despise it. And, yeah. you know, I can imagine, yeah. and you know, they're, they're willing to take a discount in order to get stuff done quick and, you know, be able to, you know, get a partner that they really like and that they're not going to have to jump through a lot of hoops. And, you know, we make bets pretty, you know, like I, I, I tell people I'm the quickest yes and the quickest no in the book. Right. So yeah, yeah you're not going to find a lot of resistance for me. It's usually existing investors or some, some other kind of bullshit thing that makes them, yeah. you know, like slow down. The quick no. What? How refreshing is that to hear? <laughs> I mean, right? It's like, especially now. I mean, I, I'm seeing. I mean, just some of the feedback we've been getting from founders in the current market conditions are like, it's the eternal slow. Maybe it's that's the game these days. It's really unfortunate. What do you, What are your thoughts on? On that and the current market. Well, condition. as a VC, you're not really incented to say no, right? Like it doesn't serve you because that company might take off. 
right? So I think that that makes a ton and of sense. And then you're wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you can't be yeah. wrong. No, you can't be wrong. Yeah. Um, we, you know, I just don't want to have a bunch of conversations with somebody that I've got no interest in them or their business, right? Like, right. <laughs> like I, I, you know, like I think this, I think that it used, this business used to be a lot easier. You know, you used to be able to plant your flag somewhere, say you led deals and the growth would find you. And mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like that's the case anymore. I need to be less of a salesperson and more of an analyst and look at market trends and come up with like conviction around market thesis and like stuff that I'm really not smart enough to do, but you know, like I, I need to push myself. Yeah, for sure. What, and I know part of your strategy is it's about capital efficiency, kind of niche focused approach. Mm -hmm. Has, has that, has that always been, you know, over the past two and a half years, uh, the, the, the strategy, this capital efficiency piece? Yeah, we've always had that kind of mindset. Um, I invested in a company and, you know, they got a lot of coastal interest and, mm. you know, like I'm not going to stop them. Right. I think the team's dynamite. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so they got, you know, a really great valuation and a lot of money. And I still think they have that mindset of like, we're not going to let this fail. Right. Uh -huh. But, you know, they're definitely operating at a burn that makes me want to throw up. <laughs> so, so you're open to it if it comes after you, but prior to you're really, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, really yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. You know, I what mean, like I, I came in at like a single digit and then the next guy came in three months later at like, you know, mid teens. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. I'm just going to put my head in the sand and good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what, what advice are you kind of giving to, to founders in your portfolio right now? Speaking of put it, put in your head in the sand. Uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 I feel like, um, you know, burn matters, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of universal. I think everyone's saying the same thing. Um, you know, unit economics matter, ACV matters, pretend like you're not getting another dollar, blah, 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 what everyone else is saying on Twitter. I think, you know, you know, like that's kind of like what I've always been saying, but like, you know, it's, you know, well, I that, guess it's in vogue now. Yeah. That's what, that's why I was wondering. Cause it seems like that's been a part of your strategy from the beginning and now it's, yeah, it's what everybody's yeah. saying. Yeah. Let's queue up the Warren Buffett memes and reversion <laughs> to the mean and uh -huh. <laughs> all that exactly. stuff. So. Exactly. Very cool. What was, what was the switch, switching gears a little bit now? Um, what was your kind of impetus to, uh, to get to Arizona? What was, what was that? The job. You know, oh, honestly, I see. Yeah, yep. I sold my company and, you know, there's not a lot of deals to be had in South Florida at the time. Uh, right yeah, <laughs> Now changed, it blew right? up. It's like whoever thought Miami would be the next tech hub. Mm -hmm. It went from like Florida man to, you know, <laughs> like Keith Raboy, like tweeting about how great Miami is. <laughs> what are you what are your thoughts on Miami as as the next tech hub? I mean, there's it seems like there's there is a lot of buzz there is it is it a flash in the pan or is it do you think it's actually going to happen i don't know it could happen i mean california does a pretty good job at you know self-destructing itself right so <laughs> i think people are going to get sick of hurricane season you know like that uh, that yeah. gets old i mean california yeah. Cal northern california is nice for a reason living uh -huh. in california does have a lot of benefits from a weather perspective from right. a lifestyle perspective but you know they're really good at sabotaging themselves Right. So, uh, so Arizona, so now, now you're there to stay. I mean, you love it. Tell us about what, what's so great. Yeah, about Arizona. You know, I mean, Arizona is a great place to live. You know, I mean, you can, you know, buy a lot with your money. You know, the weather's perfect eight months a year. Um, you know, we, we get best of both worlds. We get to go to Southern California in the summer and San Diego, Northern County, mm -hmm. San Diego. So 
our like quality of living is really high, right? As from a weather and kind of community perspective. I mean, the summers here are completely untenable, <laughs> you know, like, mm. like I'm pretty sure people die in the summer, like homeless people, like it's bad. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Dangerously bad. Well, mm-hmm. uh, so, so what is, what is the kind of the tech scene like there then? Does it, does it die in the summer as well? Or like what? Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, generally speaking, I think Arizona, like it's, it's kind of like Southern California. There's a lot of lifestyle tech, right. Which hmm. is, I work harder than, you know, the mom and pop, but I probably work less hard than somebody at a core market, like, you know, LA or New York or, you know, Atlanta, hmm. you know. I mean, no one's putting in like 10, 10 sixes, right. You know, um, you know, in Arizona, I don't think, you know, um, so, you know, I think that it's, it's coming up, right. There's definitely more capital in the ecosystem. Like back when I started, like there was nothing happening Mm -hmm. here, you know what I mean? And, you know, like in 2017, a gig economy, like fast, you know, like gig economy restaurant worker, uh, company, you know, raised, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 million bucks quick. And like, I was shocked, yep. right? Because it was, if, if it was anything, it was a B2B SaaS town. It wasn't a gig economy restaurant tech town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's been, uh, you know, Quick's a good example. There's been some others. Uh, I, obviously, Carvana was founded in uh, in Phoenix, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's been, there's definitely been some, uh, some big wins. Uh, what do you think the future holds in terms of, uh, you know, the ecosystem, will it continue to produce these, these, these sorts of, or is there categories that you think? I think it'll rise the way the economy rises and falls, honestly. You know what I mean? I think it kind of, I think, I don't think anything was like particularly special in Arizona to catalyze the growth that it's had. I think that, you know, a lot of cheap money kind of like came in and, you know, you know, brought companies in and, you know, I, like, I, I don't think there's an accelerant, right. That basically Mm. will catapult, one um one thing or another i think it really takes a lot of time um okay i mean i will say with the exception of if a big company comes here right and i'm not talking like a semiconductor company or a a car battery company which we see a lot of in arizona i'm talking like a sexy software company like give me like a palantir or like a snowflake if they planted roots here i think with a talent spinoff would be incredible Mm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, I guess the hardware tech scene, you could get that too, but I, that's not a big, the, like the amount of investment dollars don't really go into those categories. So, Has, you know, I, I, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's growing. Like I, I don't really see like a breakout unless, mm-hmm. you know, something, and there's a couple of funds that have raised money here. Um, so looking forward to seeing how they deploy their capital, but it's tough. Yeah. That's, I wanted, I wanted to kind of poke that a little bit. I know there's recently what AVC, uh, the new Arizona venture development corporation is, mm-hmm. is leveraging some SSBCI funding to try to catalyze more activity as well as, um, I can't get all these AVs and Zs and Vs. There, there's another one too. Yeah. Was it Arizona? A- there's Arizona VC and AVC. They did definitely did not coordinate their branding initiatives. That, but those are two that, that yeah, landed yeah. at the same time. But those are two new, basically new, new funds, new vehicles, right? But uh, yeah. So, so there's there's definitely new funds getting raised. There's also what are some of the other like Phoenix Ventures is one, right? That's yeah, one. yeah, yeah. So there's a you know entrepreneur who made his bones in a software company, mm-hmm. Greg Scoresby. He's deploying a lot of company and SaaS companies, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, he's run out, right? <laughs> so 
you know, he's doing a venture accelerator and trying to, you know, bubble up some early talent, mm -hmm. which is what I see a lot happen. I think capital used to be, you know, there's a couple funds here. I think the only fund that's really stood its test of time here is Greyhawk. Oh, that's sure. Sure. Yep. You know, and they've been yep. around for, you know, over almost three decades. I mean, these guys have, you were know, they on their fourth, fourth, fourth yeah, fifth fund? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I Incredible. mean, like they've actually had like an audible track record. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, you know, there's a bunch of entrepreneurs. I kind of see a lot of cycles like, you know, entrepreneurs make their bones and they want to invest and they get bored because, you know, investing is not as cool as they think it is. Right. Like <laughs> helping founders is like 15 percent of the job and the rest of it's like fundraising and like, you know, looking at companies and, you know, having to do a lot of repetition. Yep. What about the uh, what about the sense of community? You know, when I was my last trip to Arizona, I went to one of the venture cafe events. I was really blown away by the turnout on a weeknight. Um, it seemed like a lot of great folks from the ecosystem showed up. I've heard a lot of good things about startup AZ. You know, what 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 other what other sort of like community stuff is going on that you've seen that's sort of successfully built built that that community in in the. I yeah, the I think area. yeah, I think startup AZ is super cool. Um, I think that's different. Um, you know, they kind of have like a peer-to-peer -peer software and hardware kind of advisory kind mm -hmm. of community with CEOs, and they put some programming around that. Um, I think that that's super valuable to the internal, you know, community. Um, gives kind of a place to people to, you know, do that. And they've got like, you know, this weekend they spend up in Flagstaff. I call it Founder Camp, you know, where they kind of come and, you know, talk about, you know, problems they're having and stuff. And, um so, yeah, there's been. Know, I was I was surprised to learn there's been I think almost a hundred startups that have gone through uh, those cohorts over the past. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, a real deal. Years, but, and they, yeah. you know, and they all pledge like some piece of their company, and they pay it back, and they get donations and and all that stuff. So that's that's definitely something cool and unique. Um, Venture Cafe have not made my way down there yet, um, but you know, I'm, I hear that that's cool, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's funny too. Like I think. You know, and this is me maybe being a little bit more cynical, you know, than, you know, I mean, you're like, you're Will Rogers, you know what I mean? And I'm, you know, the opposite of that, right? So, like, <laughs> I know, I was trying to think of the most cynical, uh, yeah, the like, most cynical, like, cartoon character I know. Yeah. <laughs> like Eeyore, you know, from Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> But like, you know, I think when you have a, an environment where like the economy is just ripping, mm -hmm. like you get a lot of like innovation, you know what I mean? And I, dude, like I, and like you get a lot of these programs and initiatives and like, you know, development. I mean, I, there was something in, I think it was in the information today that like a lot of the startups are pulling back their like diversity, like equity, like grants and like and initiatives that they're doing just because money's tight. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's uh, funny because, you know, and it, and like, you know, like it's just one of those things like things. Well, it's not funny, back. but it's, it's, it's like, not funny. No, it's not funny. It's, at ironic, all. it's terrible. Perhaps, it's not, yeah, well, no, but it's like when people are doing great and money's flowing, like they innovate right. more, they take more yeah, risks, right. you know, they, they get more philanthropic and developmental. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. when things get tight, you know, kind of goes back to the way of doing business. That's not fair. And, you know, mm -hmm. extremely difficult and, more well it's, you know. it's one of those challenges like you know same thing that you know when a found founder has to has to consider a riff and it's like i don't want to lay any of my people off like i like i i i love every member of my team it's like yeah but if the company isn't around <laughs> in yeah. six months you gotta you gotta riff everybody so, right. you, know, <laughs> right. like you have to make hard decisions during times yeah. like this for sure. no exactly and it's like if like what makes them think that if you know that they are 
they're going to make it when like companies that have like incredible scale have laid off 14, 15,000 employees, right? Exactly. I mean, they're yeah. not alone. I mean, everything starts at the top and trickles down. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what about, uh, back to Arizona for, for one kind of last, last point on the state. Cause you know, I think it's, it's definitely starting to pop on people's radars as, as, a, as a place where there's exciting stuff happening. Where, where are the hubs? I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about Phoenix and Scottsdale. Is there activity elsewhere? Like is Tucson have stuff going on or Tempe or like, is there stuff near the universities or yeah, what's, like y- yeah. what's the map? Yeah. So like I, I, there is urban sprawl for sure in Phoenix. And I think that's kind of one of the, one of the issues um, in the fact that there's not like a centralized location where people can congregate and, mm-hmm. you know, talk. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's all over. Right. I mean, I, I don't see, hear a lot in Tucson, you know, I see, I hear a lot of like college stuff, like, you know, grants coming out of colleges and people funding like, you know, university type, you know, innovation yeah, stuff. Like, uh, like an app to get you home when you're drunk or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, We all know those. those yeah. Startup companies. Uh, but they're like a big bio, but you know, what's funny. I think their angel group is like super active, the desert angels, but. Um, oh yeah. 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 You know, it's, you know, I think Tempe, there's a big move in Tempe, you know, because, you know, the university's there and there's mm-hmm. some, yeah, there's a younger organization called Jampad and they're trying to shake things up on the earlier stage side. And, They've got a lot of energy, but you know, you know, at the end of the a- day, ASU has a reputation of being like like a very entrepreneurial, entrepreneur friendly university, right? Isn't that kind of part of? I the... think so. I think that's yeah. what it says on the bus, like on their yeah, sign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most innovative university. <laughs> Said every university. Trying to yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm just this exploding right now. Yeah. I mean, it's like you go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and they're going to say their tech scene's exploding, right? I mean, it's just like it's 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 yeah. just it's a function of you know promoting Marketing. you know internally and and like and, that, and that's great, right? That's fantastic, yeah. right? Um, but the best companies aren't at those events. I've I've noticed, mm-hmm. and they're not raising from capital inside of Arizona. They're leaving, right? And you know, they're voting with their feet. And mm. I, you know, and I think um, that, yes, there are, you know, groups of great founders that are getting funded. You know, I mean, I think Greg scoresby has got a phenomenal portfolio that I think some of the ones are really going to do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, there's ones that you don't hear about, like mm-hmm. that raise like really smart money. And, you know, you're just like, oh, whoa, where'd that one come from? And, mm-hmm. you know, they're hidden somewhere. They're like, you know, verticalized and, you know, they're, you know, or they move because they can find better talent in New York or San Francisco or something. Speaking of the, the walking, I want to, I want to pick that apart and ask two, two questions. First of all, are you, so you are seeing like Arizona does have a problem with the kind of brain drain that you see in, especially in places like Montana, I think, but like you, you see that like good people are going, I, cause I would, ex, I would expect post COVID the opposite. I would expect people from the Bay area, they're just trying to get the heck out of San Francisco would be, you know, would be moving in. But you're saying there's still people moving out because of what access to talent and capital and things. Yeah. And I think, well, I've seen like a CEO here, right. That has a company that's cool and interesting in my stage. And, you know, he's probably from San Francisco. And I think that's kind of interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I see, I've probably seen a little bit more of people like saying, okay, well, like, you know, this is, this is a, an Arizona valuation. I can get a, a, a California valuation. Like for instance, there was, there's this one company in town here and I talked to them, got super interested on, you know, requested a data room, took them to a nice dinner. The guy never gave a data room, but you know, we talk and blah, 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 blah. And then like, 
And then he like, you know, he, he gets, you know, he gets funded by Kraft Ventures, like David Sachs's uh, company. And, uh, and I was like, yo, like what happened? And he's like, yeah, you know, kind of, I was like, listen, dude, I had to take, I had to take his money too. Right. <laughs> you know? Like you don't need to justify You know, that bottle of wine you got just wasn't quite as good as the it one wasn't good. Got. Yeah. yeah. No. And like, you know, I mean, they did a, they had a great valuation and, you know, sure. they're going to grow into it now, but I mean, it's, um, you know, the, now the guy's like, yeah, I, I love working. I love like being able to talk to a bunch of people and recruiting and getting the best people. And like, mm -hmm. there's not, there's not a place where I can walk and talk to like the best VP of product or the best VP of sales that are at the same coffee shops. I mean, I could do that in New York. Right. So he's moving yeah. to New York. I see. Yeah. What about, and that was actually kind of, you kind of already answered with an anecdote. My second question, which is like, how has, is the VC activity going the other way? Like, are you seeing coastal VCs? starting to poke around 100 100 how how is that received like they come to town and they you know they're trying i assume they're just trying to cherry pick the best the best yeah i mean founders, I'm for it. Yeah. i mean i get yeah. i get pissed because you know like i didn't see them right um generally i haven't seen them but it's because they have some kind of connection right uh, i see you know what i mean like yeah. Yeah. i don't think they were like outbound sourcing and they found the opportunity, you know, I think like there yep. was some kind of connection to money elsewhere. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that happen in Montana, too, where it's like, you know, somebody there's like a, a Bozeman founder that, you know, is a Harvard MBA that knew this. BC right. Thing. right. Yeah. And yeah. they never thought to even look right, you know, in in yeah. their town. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but, for, I think, but, but that's very serendipitous. I mean, that's like it's not repeatable. It's sort of not not that it's lucky, but it's like. Yeah, it's very unique. I think when that sort of, that sort of thing yeah. happens, you know. And I think if you're, I mean, your fund is a is a you know a regional fund, and I I literally a regional seed fund. And I literally had breakfast with two managers that were in a regional fund in the southeast, and I think that um, that makes sense. Being like a state fund, I think you could you'll run into problems. You know, mm -hmm. I think if you're doing just Arizona, I think. But the problem yeah. is, is like with selection the, I, bias. Well, there's just well, yeah. Well, it's that, and it's like okay, so you got to play. Like there's to the there's not really a lot in the software side that's going on in New Mexico. You, you know, Southern California, they got their players right. Like, what's the incentive yeah. for them to share? And then Colorado and Utah, right above, they've got their players as well. So it's kind of like this really weird kind of situation where. Yeah, you can find stuff. This is actually like a brilliant blog post. It's kind of like prisoned, you know, like it's like <laughs> we're like, you know, it's like if you're, you're you, you got to be regional, but it's really hard to be regional because you're not an established player in the states that are in your region. <laughs> you know, like, well, well, because they because, so they, because they're well capitalized because they're well capitalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because that is actually that's straight out of. Uh, NFC's playbook. I mean, when we started as uh, no, this is a, this book. is a this is a totally David Paul kind of you know observation. <laughs> but but what I'm what I'm saying is, we are you plugging we your own? Are you plugging your own fund like in your? No, I'm just telling you the podcast? story. Okay, you can use it. it in your you can use it in your uh, your blog post and plug okay. plug us back. No, but <laughs> okay. we started we started as Montana only, right? Mm -hmm. And then look at our neighboring states, Colorado, Utah. You know, it's like well, th there's there's established players there. I think. One of the ways to think about doing it is being additive, like figuring out where are the holes there. Like, like we knew we weren't going to go into Utah and be, you know, compete with those seed stage funds deal for deal. No. So, so be the seed two 
you know, provider in those ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that's kind of where we found a niche, but, uh, I don't know, maybe there's a similar playbook, similar playbook for Arizona there. Right. Like you do the extension, right. Or like, you know, and like, you're not leading because you don't have feet on the street, but you're a good kind of value added player, you know, or the early a right. Like, like preempting the a before the, you know, before the, the coastal firms get in and, right. And, and pick it. Yeah. Cool. What do you think? What's your are you what's what's your thoughts on kind of the future of of, of venture in in the state? Uh, you know, kind of over the next ten years. What do, what do you think? Any predictions? Crystal ball moments? Yeah, I mean, in, within Arizona. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to have. I think there's a there's a group of companies that were you know I think kind of legacy. And I wouldn't say legacy. They're kind of like maybe the SaaS 2.0 products, right? So like the trainual, like the virtual, like there's some like really great horizontal and vertical SaaS companies that I think have gotten to that 10 to 15 million and they're going to have, you know, nice exits. Um, and I think that that's going to be great for the community. Um, you know, Full Bay was one of them. Revolution Parts was one of them. There was like a really great cohort of companies. And then I feel it's like a tide and the tide kind of comes out and then it's kind of like slim pickings for a little bit and then the tide's going to come back in, right? So, you know, I think that... Um, you know, there's some early, there's some earlier stuff bubbling up, but I think we're going to get like a really nice kind of like harvesting couple years, you know, in the next, you know, probably three to five years, especially when like acquisition time happens, which is coming. Mm-hmm. Are there any major themes or industries that you think are like uh, special to watch in Arizona? Um, in Arizona, um, I think auto tech is something that always did well here. Um, hmm. just based on Carvana and there's some other ones that, you know, uh, drivably got acquired. There's one that called run buggy that that's doing pretty good. That's a very like elastic market though. So you like, you know, wonder kind of like how that's going to fare with like, you know, higher interest rates in the economy. So, um, you know, I think that that is kind of interesting. Um, there was a company here called move, which was a marketplace for semiconductors, which I thought was super interesting. They were one of the ones that got funded away, you know, so they exploded. Um, but like, there's not that many semiconductor, like that's a very consolidated industry. Right. So it's like, I don't know how many like at bats you have there. Um, you know, a company that I think is super cool that we we both talked about missing it was SinSaber. Remember that we're like, we're both talking about our software tools and how awesome they are. And they're like, yeah, we both missed this, uh, (laughs) this company, but you know, this verticalized cybersecurity company, you know, within utilities, I think that's super neat. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, what about any uh, anything you want to share or, uh, in terms of uh, you know announcements? Anything exciting about uh, you or DWP in the coming year? Do I have any announcements? I, I don't think I have anything, and hopefully I'll have a deal to share. You know, in January, February when we close. So right. don't don't want to give away the special sauce there. Of but not. Um, no, we'll be on the lookout for that. You know, we're hunting, right? So we're looking for companies, you know, in and outside of Arizona. Um, you know, um, you know, we really like verticalized SaaS companies and tech-enabled service companies. You know, we're looking at a couple of different themes. We're looking at, you know, verticalized data companies, verticalized cybersecurity companies, you know, uh, healthcare service companies around value-based care. You know, things that can bring some pretty demonstrable ROI to industries that are pretty inelastic. So think, you know, companies that aren't going to be like rocked hard by interest rates. Yeah. Well, that's a good call out. So for for founders that are listening, maybe hopefully this will drive some inbound in the the early part of the new year when this episode airs. Uh, we'll ho- hopefully we'll have some founders to send your way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I only, have two, I only have two more hours left, by the way, for this podcast. I, I only blocked out two and a half. Two hours. more hours? Good. That's, okay. that's, uh, yeah, that's about what I have, too. So uh, we'll, we'll begin part two. It's like a Lex Friedman podcast where it's like a three hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question I actually have is in a, you know, to, I always kind of like to take it back personal uh, or, or, or do something fun. What, uh, if you weren't a VC, what do you think you, what, what would you do? What would you do with your time? Either career-wise or hobby-wise? Money wasn't an issue. Money wasn't an issue. I'd go back becoming a scuba diving instructor. Oh. I did you that were... for, yeah, I did that for a long time. That was an easy life. <laughs> I think you're the first scuba certified VC I've, I've, uh, I've had on the podcast. Dude, scuba instructor. I taught people how to dive. So, I mean, there's just something really relaxing about just kind of like taking people out, you know, showing them some stuff, you know, getting a $20 tip in your, you know, plastic jar that's kind of like bungee corded to like <laughs> the side of your boat, <laughs> you know, and like. Well, it, it also fascinates me. I mean, that's the kind of job where like people are putting their lives in into your hands. I mean, as an instructor, right? I mean, like, yeah, I think bad things can happen under the water at depth. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's amazing that mm-hmm. you 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 quickly develop that sort of rapport and trust. Must 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 be part of the reason why you're a good VC, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Well, David, I just want to say, as as a friend and as, as somebody who I've really enjoyed getting to know, I want to thank you for being on Found in the Rockies and for sharing with us a little bit about you and Arizona and and you know lots of exciting stuff ahead for that ecosystem. Um, to conclude, why don't you just tell us where our listeners can find you and more about DWP online? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, you, know, you can find me at David Paul VC. I've got a Substack called Ramblings. I've got uh, a podcast called Capital Stack. None of this content is, I would call, quality, right? It's kind of me just mouthing off on a on a podcast and or typing something um they but they say it's important so you know whatever if you like it i hope i hope you like it yeah i do like it i do like it it's a great way to learn well david as always fun are we gonna do a chris paul joke no we're not gonna do a chris paul joke i beat beat that horse dead yeah awesome thank you so much les it's always a pleasure you're you're awesome thanks man all right see you soon bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to nextfrontiercapital.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop every two weeks. We'll see you next time. Thank you.